G'day Hope Church fellas, good to see you back. Pastor Tom here with another installment of the Hope Men series. Hope you go grab your Bible, share this with the men in your life who you think this would be helpful for, and let's jump into the Word together. <clears throat> Again, when we do these, these are aimed at being extremely practical, uh, extremely helpful in how you form uh, a, a mentality or a worldview around uh, being a man, acting like a man, living your life out as a man, and being proud of the fact that you are a man, created in God's image for His glory, and all those things. Uh, so, while we're not quite digging de- deep, deep down into every level and every chasm of theology when we do these things, they're meant to be nice and short, nice and practical, nice and applicable for you, and I pray that they've been those things. Today, I want uh, to talk about the Scriptures... Um, that theme of men being gardeners. If you're a man, you are made to be a gardener. So I'm sorry for all the times that you've been asked by your wife or your mum or whoever it is to do the weeding and you thought that was sort of a, a gal's job. They're theologically correct and a student, you need to go do the gardening. But of course, there's a bit more to it than that. Uh, you can go again with me to Genesis chapter uh, Genesis chapter 1 and we, we've been seeing there how God has made man in his image and and in the creating of Adam there is examples for us in original design we can see what God was calling Adam to do then we can uh, uh, see what we have been called to do as men uh, even though he lost much of that uh, even though it has been redeemed in Jesus Christ we can look all the way back to Genesis and see that there is work to do, uh, that there is examples to take from Adam's first commandments from the Lord. So Genesis chapter 2, I think it said one before. Chapter 2. <clears throat> chapter 2. That uh, Verse 15 shows us that uh, after having made man, that is Adam specifically, he made Adam in his own image. And then verse 15 tells us, The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden, to work it and keep it. Now we've looked at this, uh, specifically focusing on what it looks like to work and keep in productivity and uh, all, all the ways that that sort of applies to our life. But today I specifically want to talk about the um, point of being gardeners or cultivators. Uh, it's, uh, it's true that in life everything worth having uh, needs cultivating. It needs long-term effort, uh, being intentional over, over a long long period of time. Uh, whereas things that are not so worth having are easily caught. They're grabbed. They're just snapped up. Whereas uh, when we think of those things really worth having, those things of high value, we think, you know, a wife, a family, children who are honorable and respectful and bring uh, glory to your family, um, a legacy, uh, wealth, uh, Christian character, uh, the winning of souls into the kingdom of Christ. All of these things take time. They take cultivating intentional effort over a long period of time rather than simply catching it in a trap. If you um, uh, 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 think back to uh, the, the earlier chapter of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, we see a, a large distinction between God's role and our role. Or God's act and what is given to Adam to be his act and behavior. We see that back in Genesis 1, uh, verse 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth just like that. There it is. He said it, it 
happened. Uh, we, we then get here the forming and the, and the filling and the details of that creation account. He says, let there be light and there was light. Verse 6, uh, there was an ex let there be an expanse in the midst and there was. Uh, let there be waters, verse 9, and there was. And so God creates um, out of nothing instantaneously. This is what we call the doctrine of creation ex nihilo. It really is just Latin for uh, creating out of nothing. Only God does that. Only God can do that. And God stopped doing that after the sixth day when he made Adam. Uh, he created, uh, well, Adam and Eve. Uh, he stopped creating out of nothing. He took his Sabbath and now he sort of, he works in the closed system of, he, he no longer creates out of absolutely nothing, but works with the world that he has created. Uh, but Adam is entirely different. As soon as Adam is put into the ground, he is not given this creation ex nihilo ability to bring things into existence as he wants them. Uh, God could do that with a wife. And of course, Eve was the only wife and Adam's going to be the only one of us that ever gets a wife in an instant like that <clears throat> with no effort of our own. Although he lost a rib, I guess that counts. <clears throat> But nonetheless, what was given to Adam was not creation out of nothing. What was given to Adam was the responsibility of cultivating and gardening. So God created the garden in a moment by a word, but then put Adam into it to, uh, to cultivate and to garden. That's our job. That's how we are like God. He creates, we create, but he creates instantly. We create and cultivate and put in effort over time. And even before the fall, that was the plan. Now that the fall has come in, we, we now see that there is even worse things to have to try and overcome. There's, uh, uh, there's evil, there's enemies, there's all of these things. And yet, uh, uh, we see in the pre-fall uh, creation that Adam was given the job of gardening. <clears throat> so let's dig into this a little bit more. You can go with me to Psalm 128. We get another... Another uh, facet of this theme of what it means to be a man who gardens. <clears throat> a man who is gardening. Of course, uh, it does not simply mean that you're out fingers in the dirt and planting roses or daffodils or whatever it is that your wife likes. It, it can mean that. It, <laughs> sure, do that. But really what is getting, getting at here is that <clears throat> men have been given to cultivate the growth of organic things cultivate the healthy growth of organic things so that includes culture that includes family that includes your workplace that includes uh, uh, the, uh, the the nations that we're in the church that you're in uh, we're given to cultivate that like a gardener so in Psalm 128 we read this blessed is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways you shall eat the fruit of the labor of your hands. You shall be blessed and it shall be well with you. So stop there. One of the signs of blessing from God is that the things you work for, you get to eat. You sow the seed, you till the soil, you harvest that uh, field, you get to eat that. Uh, one of the patterns of cursing in the Old Testament was that God would say, you will sow, but somebody else will come and eat that field. You're going to put all your effort out and then somebody else is going to reap from it and you will have nothing left for your efforts. Uh, in verse uh, 2, 
of Psalm 127, just one psalm over, verse 2, uh, it says that unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. That's, chap uh, that's verse 1. Verse 2 then says, It's in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest. Right, that's working hard. Eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives his beloved sleep. <clears throat> One of the um, uh, signs of blessing is that God gives to those who work hard what they have worked hard for. So not anxious bread and toil, which is by no means a sign of flourishing and, and plenty. But, um, but, but that if, if the Lord does not build a house, if he is not over that, um, that family, over your work, being served in your work... You're going to be eating anxious bread. Well, back to Psalm 128. One of the signs of blessing here for those who, who fear the Lord is that what we work for, we, we receive uh, in return. Anyway, verse 3. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Now, that probably doesn't sound entirely positive at the outset, uh, it sounds very nuisance-like to have plants growing up out of your tiles and around your expensive dinner table that you've just bought. Uh, having plants growing on it, over it, and around it, uh, that sounds like something you would get the, the hedge clippers out for. But of course, this is a sign of great blessing. Uh, maybe you've got a wife or a girlfriend or a sister or a mum, wherever you're at, guys, and she's got indoor plants, which really seem to be the, the, um, uh, uh, a fad at the moment. But indoor plants and, and, and there's there's greenery on the on the bench and, and it's it's on every bookshelf. There's greenery. Uh, our house has that and, and it makes the place a lot less cold and, and clinical, but beautiful and homely and and uh, brings in a touch of nature and life and vibrance. And and that's what's being shown here is he's saying that the man who fears the Lord, his wife. It doesn't say that that she's. Um, uh, it does. It, it could be. It could have a hundred different things that it, it depicts. This wife of a man who fears the Lord as, but the picture it gives is like a a, a, a vine that has been well gardened, well watered, well nourished and cultivated, and is now fruitful. And that's the picture of us. We are the vine dresser. We are the gardener, and the things around us, the organic things around us, the level of healthy growth they have says a lot about our lifestyle. Are we fearing the Lord? If so, our wife will be uh, flourishing like a vine, giving life to other people. Beautiful. And also, the children will be like olive shoots around the table. That is a, that's a delicacy uh, you, in, in, the, uh, in, in the culture. You, you want olives. You want olive shoots aplenty. And that is what the man gets who is uh, uh, that picture in his children if he is fearing the Lord. So you see here that the blessed man, the man who fears the Lord, is said to be like a man who has a flourishing garden in his family. Well, let's keep on going. Let's also look at John chapter 15. Lest you think that this is something that is only ever spoken of about men. This vine dressing gardener theme is also applied to God as father. <clears throat> Jesus says to his disciples in John chapter 15, verse 1, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. In the Old Testament, Israel is spoken of as the vine. Well, Jesus is saying, I'm that true Israel. I'm the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. 
It says, every branch in me, now that's all of his followers, we are branches coming off of the vine of Jesus. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. So we see here that God is that gardener. The, the Father is the one who cultivates, grows, nourishes uh, all those who are in Jesus Christ. He is our source, but the Father is the one giving to us his riches and blessings and love through Jesus Christ. Uh, and, and so th- we see here that this, this has immense applications on us. <laughs> all those who are in Jesus Christ, and, and we need to hear this before we go and look at any other element of our manhood, all those who are truly in Jesus Christ are bearing fruit that are pro- productive, that are godly, and that is righteous. We are producing fruit that is uh, uh, that are new souls coming to faith so that we might be involved in bringing new branches onto the vine. The question that we have to ask ourselves is, as we look at our life, our lifestyle, our personality, our um, our, our habits, what we've done in the past, what we're doing now, those people around us who are closest to us, maybe your children or your wife, you need to ask the question, in, in, in those areas, are you producing sin, unrighteousness, evil? Is there an overflow in ungodly behavior, fruits that are not uh, in keeping with repentance, as John the Baptist would say? If that's the case, then Jesus would say here that you are not in him. If all you ever produce is, is sinful manifestations, then you are not in Jesus by faith. You are not saved. God, can, uh, God assures us that all those who are in Christ will bear fruit, not ultimately because you're strong enough or worthy, but because the Father makes sure of this. He wants His Son, Jesus, the vine, to be producing much fruit to His glory. Therefore, if the branches coming off of him are evil, worthless, useless, unrighteous, he clips them off and burns them. Although if we are by faith in Jesus Christ, we have repented of our sin, we've given our lives to him, we are reading his word, obeying his word, trusting him daily for salvation and walking in righteousness because of that, then we can expect pruning, which is difficult, is painful, uh, but the Lord comes in and prunes off those parts of our life with the scissors that are keeping us from Him, that are keeping us from uh, making too much leaves and, and not enough fruit, right? We're, we're, we're busy, but we're not productive for Him. We've got a lot going on, but we're not glorifying Him. <clears throat> God comes in, He loves us, and He goes to work at those things keeping us from our greatest uh, obedience towards Him. This is the picture that Jesus gives, and this is what we should be uh, walking after. <clears throat> so uh, I want to just ask it or point out a, a couple of questions and, and uh, main applications here before we close out as to how we should consider ourselves as gardeners in our lives. So I've got a, a few main um, <clears throat> uh, points. Number one would be to measure success very, very carefully. Measure success very, very carefully. Uh, if we had a an, an instant uh, and and a, an instant gratification way of of measuring success here, we would look at the way things are, and we would say, "This looks great. I'm happy with it." Uh, maybe it's uh, a painting. Right? You get a painting. Maybe it's for Christmas. Maybe you buy it down at the shop. I don't know who's buying paintings. 
the lame ones of us who like art. I've got a painting up behind me. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, you get that and you hang it on your wall. You look at it and you go, great, beautiful, wonderful. Now, mine's a, a painting of a Russian forest. Now, I look at that, trees, and go, that looks beautiful, love it, like it, leave it. When we think as a gardener, we need to think rather the picture of receiving a plant, buying a plant, maybe, maybe buying an actual tree. You can't just look at it and say, it looks great the way it is and leave it. If you like the way it is, it's still going to require intentional effort. You can't simply judge the way it is now because it's organic. So it will be growing and it will grow either more healthy or less healthy. It will become overgrown, maybe crowded and shrink. Maybe it will be uh, poisoned. Maybe it will uh, lack water and become weak, though it's getting bigger. So, so when we think like a, a gardener, we realize this is okay for now. This is not good for now, but by effort, I can bring it to health. This is good for now, but I need to protect it lest it droop, lest it fail, lest the bugs come in, lest it becomes unhealthy. So measure success carefully. When you look at your kids, um, maybe you've, you've got kids, you need to not just look at the way they are now and think that's the way they are forever, as if there's some snapshot painting. Friends, if, if, if there's failures in the life of the kids that we as fathers take responsibility for, we need to be encouraged that this is not the end of the road. Uh, Humans are organic. Now they, like olive shoots, as we saw in Psalm 128, can be cultivated, can be helped and assisted and grown. And where there's unhealthy parts now, like our Father God, we can uh, prune those parts off and bring healthy uh, righteousness. So, so be encouraged by that. But also be warned that if your kids or, or people you're discipling or other areas of your life are in a great shape, don't wipe your hands, sit back and think that you can just hang them on the wall for 20 years and they, they will continue on in the same healthy way. Something is good at the moment. It requires further cultivation every day or it will eventually fail. <clears throat> so we measure success carefully because we're thinking as gardeners. Uh, but also, secondly, <coughs> I want to say that we are constantly pruning and nourishing. That's the two sides of it, isn't it? We are pruning to cut off the evil, to cut off the unhealthy. We are nourishing, watering to, uh, to flourish that which is good and righteous and godly. So again, this applies to your kids. This applies to your wife. This applies to your workplace and those maybe who are your employees. Uh, this applies to your own work ethic. Um, you need to not always, I mean, like we said before, gardening is not simply an ever positive uh, reality. We're not just always throwing on fertilizer. We're not just always watering. We need to be able to have those hard decisions made. We need to be able to have those hard conversations. We need to be able to push back against those people uh, who are in our care against the sins in their life. We need to bring discipline if it's our children. We need to bring that difficult conversation with our wife. Uh, we need to uh, 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 address certain things in our workplace. We need to be willing to cut off our own sins that we might have spiritual health and cultivation. Otherwise, uh, if we are always just being positive, always watering, never pruning, the unhealthy takes over the healthy. It drains the healthy of nourishment 
And uh, uh, we, we are unlike the Father in that respect, who says that He comes and chops off that which bears no fruit, throws it to the fire. It also means, though, you need to not only be pruning all the time. Friends, maybe, maybe it's your, your kids. Maybe it's, your, your, your again, your, your employees. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your friends. Maybe it's the people you're discipling. You need to not always only be pruning you need to also be able to notice the good that is happening, the godly that is flourishing, the, the, those little buds that are coming up the side of the branch. You need to be able to protect those and bring those to uh, fulfillment. Otherwise, we'll just be discouraging. We'll just be always negative. We'll be overbearing on things and people. So let's have that mindset. Um, let's also have a, a, uh, a, a, an understanding that as, as men who are called to be gardeners, we need to know when to harvest. So we, we measure successful, uh, success carefully. We uh, are pruning and nourishing. Uh, but also we know when to harvest. It would be just a great waste. You throw the seed out. You've, you've tilled the soil. You've prepared it all for a couple of months. You've put the seed out. You've watered, you've watered, you've watered it. And then you wait. And, and you, you're being careful with the field and you've got your fence up so that no one comes across it and you're paying, the, paying a lot to have it all uh, irrigated. But then harvest comes. Those uh, uh, plants have, have come up and, and they've sprouted and they're ready for collection that the fruits might be brought in. Maybe it's an orchid, maybe it's a, a, a harvest of grain, whatever it is. And then that farmer fails to go out and collect the harvest then they become overripe, they spoil, they ruin, they die. Then all that you've done is for nothing. So we need to be, as we're thinking of gardeners, we need to be able to take those opportunities when the things we've been sowing into are, are, are ready for the next stage. Maybe it's a girlfriend who you've uh, been with for a while and uh, there's really no advancement happening in that relationship. You need to make the decision at that point. Let's, let's harvest. Does this need to be moved off to the side because it's not moving towards marriage. It's, it's only increasing temptation for sin. Uh, or do I need to man up, buy a ring and, and turn this into a marriage? Do I need a harvest here into this relationship I've been sowing into? <clears throat> maybe, it's, maybe it's your kids that, that uh, you've been uh, a father over them as children for a while and, and it's been great and they're growing and you need to realize that this is a time that they need to no longer be considered just as little children, but maybe this son of yours, maybe this young daughter of yours, they need entrusting with something. They need to be no longer treated as little children, but entrusted as young adults. And, and, and if you, you miss that opportunity, which is what you've been preparing them for, uh, then they will uh, resent your leadership, resent your fatherhood. And, and so I pray we would not lose that opportunity to release and... Um, uh, continue being a father too, but changing how that looks. That's a harvest moment. You also want to be able to maybe, again, it's, it's your own life in the workplace or employees that you have or people that you're discipling. You want to keep an eye on what they're doing well, what they've advanced and excelled in so that you can uh, come into that moment of harvest or decision and move them on to something else. Promote them. Uh, ask for your own promotion. Uh, delegate a job that you've got to somebody else. Whatever it is, let's not miss those the, the, that harvest and let things spoil and skills be wasted. <clears throat> Friends, the the 
if, if I can give one imagery for this whole reality of being a gardener, uh, it, it's, that, it's that we are setting out to cultivate a field and we're not men who are sent to simply throw some coins into a vending machine and pop out something. You know, that you get potatoes either way. If you till the soil, you plant the, uh, um, uh, what is needed to be planted, you water, you labor over it for so long and then your potatoes sprout and you go and harvest them and wash them and peel them and fry them. You can get chips or you can go over with $2.20, put, put it into the vending machine and out comes the Smiths. <clears throat> you get potato chips either way, but one of them is the way we've been called to do and one of them is the way that we're being told to do and called to do and shown to do in our culture. Uh, those things that are really worth having, having these godly gifts of, of a godly legacy, of, of righteous wealth, of a godly character, of a godly family, all of these things, and, and a flourishing wife who is happy to have our leadership. These things take time. They take intentional cultivation, sowing into it. It takes repentance. It takes pruning. It takes the discipline of the Almighty Lord in our life. It takes the involvement of the local church. But friends, we aim at that and we trust God for that. Let me encourage that coming out of John 15, the most, uh, most directly applicable area that Jesus is talking about when he's saying bear fruit, he was meaning primarily soul winning. Friends, whatever else we're doing in our life, what we have received from God, we, we ought to uh, utilize and steward well in order to bear fruit. The chief fruit to bear in life is souls one for Christ, converted to Christ, believing in Christ because of our testimony, our word, our life. <clears throat> so they will be your children, God willing. They may be your wife if you don't have a believing wife. They may be your friends and your family members and those that you work with, those that you meet on the streets, those that you do ministry to serve, whoever it is. The greatest fruit that we can bear to give God glory is souls that now believe in Jesus Christ because of our labor. So I pray that you would focus on that through everything, even above all else. May Jesus be glorified as we be the men he's called us to be as gardeners. Go out and plant a flower or a tree or something that we can chop down in about 20 years. God bless, guys. See you later.